to uh, Palm Sunday, and, and Simon described very much what happened then, and of course our children, which of course bring us great joy, came through um, praising God. We also know that that, that wasn't the end of the story, that lifting Jesus high uh, earthly was, was not where this story eventually plays to. It plays to an eternal Christ that, that lives with us and, and is near us always. And so I read today uh, as the preface to Pastor Keith's preaching and as the rock upon which this service stands, uh, the first few verses of John 21. Uh, you can see it on the screens or on your uh, phones or in the Bibles in your hands. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, He wrapped his outer garment around himself where he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Then the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This now is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. May God add his blessing to our reading and understanding of the scripture May your heart be open so it might uh, grow roots there and, and be the sprout through which you live in the days to come. Will you take a minute? Will you pray for me? Uh, will you pray with me for Pastor Keith? Father, Lord God, before the world was uh, created, you knew that uh, this day would happen, that it would be ordered in the way it was, and uh, you knew these songs would be sung and this word would be read and that this man would come to speak before this congregation. And so, Lord... In glory and honor of your uh, nature, uh, your all-knowing nature, your all-loving, your all-caring nature, uh, we worship you and we pray this day that Pastor Keith uh, might be inspired by the words that you have given him and that he might speak them here freely with the power, with the authority, with the grace and the love that you desire him to do. Uh, in this na- your name we pray for this man. Amen. I've preached through John before um, in the past, but... When I came to this this morning, or last week when I was looking through this, I, I'm like, I don't remember having preached through this text before. And, you know, sometimes when you read the scriptures, you can read them two or three times or however many times, and then something in your life might change, or something could happen, or some time could go by, and then you read something again, and it's amazing how God will use the same thing to speak to you in a different way, depending on 
the, the you know, condition of your heart and your circumstances and, and just what God wants to say to you uh, in that passage at, at this time in your life. So um, I, when, I, when I read this, there were a few things that really stuck out to me this morning about this passage, and I want to share them with you this morning. Um, this is the third post-resurrection appearance that Jesus makes to his disciples um, before he is ascended up into heaven. In the first, in the first one, and the, the first two, were, Mike preached about them last week. In the first appearance, Jesus comes to his disciples, and they're gathered in this room, and he appears to them, even though the doors are locked, because they're afraid. They're, they're hid away, wondering what's going to happen to them, but they've gathered themselves together, and there comes Jesus in the midst of them, and, and that in and of itself is thought-provoking, because how does he move through walls and different things and through doors? Uh, you know, you might think, well, well, Jesus is some sort of a ghost. We'll talk more about that in a, in a moment. But he comes to them, and he gives the disciples the promised Holy Spirit that he talked about. He had said to them earlier uh, at the Last Supper, I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Well, they, they were you know, unsure what that meant, but now he comes to them in this first appearance, and it says that he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then after he does that, he, he says something kind of strange to them. He says, whosoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. But whosoever sins you do not forgive will not be forgiven. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? He, he gives them, the leaders of the church, the, this church that is going to begin and, and spread throughout the world, he gives to these men his authority based on the Holy Spirit to forgive sins. And, and that's a ministry that they would bring into the world. And it is indeed a ministry of the church to announce the forgiveness of sins and to act in the place of Christ through His power to, to explain to people that they can be forgiven. It's a powerful ministry. Well, then it says a week later, and you have to wonder what was that week like, you know. But a week later, He appears to them once more and he comes to give proof to the doubters. He comes to, to appear to Thomas. Now, the first appearance, people could have wondered, well, he's some kind of a, a resurrected vision or a resurrected ghost or whatever. Maybe that's what that all means. But then he comes to Thomas and he says, look at my, my hands, see the wounds and see the, the wound in my side, proving to Thomas and to everyone else that Jesus' resurrection was not merely a spiritual thing, but it was a physical event too. His body literally rose from the dead, and he came, but it's not the same body, it's a resurrected body. And of course, the New Testament is filled with, with uh, you know, teaching about that and, and wondering what that must be like to have a resurrected body, and it's given so that you and I might have hope as well, because we're promised a resurrected body too, because of what Jesus has done. He also, in that second resurrection appearance, explains that the mandate of the disciples would be to go and to proclaim the message of Jesus to people who had never even seen him before. He said, blessed are you because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet still believe. Now, how could that happen without the work of these disciples? And that's what this third appearance is all about this morning. So he comes to them as they're fishing. And although he shows them that their work will be difficult, 
He shows them that He indeed will give them more than they can handle alone. But with Him, their ministry will succeed. And there's a lot of messages there for us as well, because let's face it, there will be times in our lives and in our ministries, because we're all in ministry, by the way, not just the ones who, who make that our career, but all of us are in ministry. There will be times when we feel as if everything is dark, we have no more strength, and we're getting nowhere, right? Anybody ever feel that way, right? There will be those times in life, and this this miraculous catch is there to show us that even in the midst of those times, God will bring us success. He'll be standing there, even though you might not recognize him as the disciples at first didn't know who he was. He'll be there, ready to serve and empower you. So, just a few things I wanted to highlight about this. The first one is this, that Jesus calls the disciples to fish even after they have had no results. Now, think about this for a moment. Verse 3, that says, and they fished all night with nothing. That's the short verse of this text, but it covers the longest amount of linear time in the whole passage. These other things happen, you know, in relative short amount of time. But this one takes all night. Verse, there's an all night between verse 3 and verse 4. That's a long time. Any fishermen, fisherwomen in here? Right? You ever fish all night? And catch nothing, right? I get, I, you know, I'm not that person. To me, standing there with a pole in the, in the water with nothing happening is, is frustrating and aggravating, not relaxing and stress relieving. I don't understand that. But, you know, for some people, that's the whole thrill of it, right? Oh, you just go out on the water, it's peaceful, it's nice, there's nothing happening, you're just out there with nature. You know, we used to have this little place on this lake in Illinois, and it was one, you could fish. But it was one of those experiences where you'd go and you'd put the right bait on the hook and, and you'd put your hook in the water and, you know, it didn't usually take long for you to catch something. Now, what you would catch would be this little, you know, bluegill or something like that. And then you'd take this thing off, you'd look at it, yay, you'd get your hands all slimy, you'd pull it off the, you know, sometimes it'd swallow the hook and be nasty and, you know, and then you'd have to throw the thing back in the water. With, now you've got slimy hands. I don't get it, you know. And, 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 and certainly... Certainly I wouldn't get doing that for more than about, you know, three minutes with no results going, yeah, this is what I want to do today. I, I certainly can't imagine doing that for a period of a few hours, even on a nice day, though, you know, okay, I get it. But at night, when there's no scenery, there's nothing to see, and, and I'm hungry, there's, there's no way I would do that. And, and that's what these disciples are doing. Now, you know that they're, that they're Christians, because they admit they caught nothing. Okay? They admit it. They fished all night, and when this mysterious figure appears on the shore and says, and says, have you not caught any fish? And I did some studying on this this week. The grammar that's used when, when he says in verse 5, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? It's sort of a sarcastic way of saying that. It's a way of saying that that implies a negative response. So it's, it's more like, hey, you guys haven't caught anything, have you? You know? And, and, and Jesus appears, and he calls these disciples. He says, throw your nets over the right side one more time. Now, this is interesting to me. Because Jesus could have showed up at any time, couldn't he have? I mean, he could have, he could have showed up... 
five minutes after they went out onto the, onto the water. He could have showed up right away and said, hey, all right, here's the deal. We got work to do, guys. There's stuff to be happening. We don't have time for this. Just throw it over the side and, and let's get this thing going. But he, he doesn't do that, does he? He could have waited until the darkest part of the night when they were starting to get a little frustrated, starting to little, get a little bit agitated, and then come through for them. But he doesn't do that either. He waits until morning. He waits until they've fished all night, till they're just about ready to come back as failures, frustrated. Why does he do that? <clears throat> now, we could read all sorts of things into that, but I think there's a lot of symbolism here. I think there's a lot of meaning here, not just for these disciples, but for all of us. And I think possibly he does that because he wanted them to remember that there would be times in their lives and in their upcoming ministry where they would be in the dark for a long time without seeing results. Not even perceiving the presence of Jesus. And that's true for a lot of us, isn't it? There are times when we go through situations where it feels like we're stumbling through the dark and we're trying and we're working, but we're not seeing anything happen. You ever feel that way in life or in ministry? I, I certainly know that, that I have. But it's in those times when Jesus often appears. And I love this. He often offers us an opportunity to trust him in those moments. And this is certainly what the disciples would experience as the church would spread. It's something that we can experience as well. I remember when Jesus prepared these men as he sent them out into the, to the mission field previously to this. He said, look, when you go out, if you come to a town that doesn't receive your message, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Go to the next town. He didn't say, hey, everyone's going to think you're awesome when you go out and do the ministry of the kingdom of God. You're going to be everyone's favorite person. Everyone's going to say, oh, yes, please tell me more about this Jesus. He didn't say that your family would appreciate everything that you had to say and that they would want to be in fellowship with you. He said even, you know, that you have to love Jesus more than those things. He prepared them for the truth for the reality that the work of the ministry of God oftentimes feels like you're in the dark alone. Remember, this was the Jesus who had spent those hours alone in the garden that night, praying, the night of, of the Last Supper, praying to His Father, knowing what was going to happen. It was in those dark times. He said, this is the hour when darkness reigns. There are those hours in our lives. There are those times, those long nights, those dark nights of the soul. But it's in those times where Jesus is up to something. Amen? He's up to something. Secondly, is this. Obedience leads to provision. Imagine what would have happened if when this strange figure on the beach cries out, throw your nets over the right hand side, if the disciples would have said, you're crazy, they're not biting. 
We've tried. We've been trying all night. Who are you to tell us what to do? We've been out here. You're having a campfire on the beach. We've been working all night. There's nothing happening. I'm tired. I'm, I'm hungry. I need to go to bed. I need to find something to eat. And I just want to lay down. I am not going to bother with throwing my nets over the side anymore. I'm not going to do Imagine what these guys would have missed. Imagine what would have happened. Their ultimate experience would have been a failed trip. That's how this story would have just wound up. The disciples went out. They fished all night. They got nothing. They came back. The end. They were frustrated. They were discouraged. But that's not what happened, you see. Because we remember this story, at least in my Bible, the heading above it says the miraculous catch. Right? It doesn't say the long night of nothing. This is the miraculous catch because their obedience led them to this amazing thing that has taken their short, their, their long night of, of darkness and relegated it to the shortest verse in the text. You see, when you follow Jesus, when, when, when through your darkness you obey his call into his provision, it's almost as if all of that stuff you went through pales in comparison to what he's got for you. You've been through some stuff, you've been through some pain, you've been through some hurt and some failure, but when God shows up, it's almost as if you forget about that compared to how awesome it is to experience what he has for you. Let that be an encouragement to you. Let that be something to, 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 to push you into obedience. You see, for many of us, we're at that moment, I believe, or that moment is coming when we've worked hard and maybe we haven't seen the results that we've wanted to see in our lives or in our faith or in our ministry. But there's that moment where Jesus is about to call you into something bigger than you can ever imagine, but it's going to require an incredible amount of trust and an incredible amount of faith and most importantly, an incredible amount of obedience before you see what God is about to unleash upon you. There's a, there's a text that, that the Apostle Paul writes in the second chapter of Corinthians, verse 9, chapter 6, he says this, or verse, chapter, six, chapter 9, verse 6. He says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's not just about giving gifts, by the way. That's about what you give your life to. If you give your life to just the the mundane things of this world, and trying to keep up with whoever you're trying to keep up with, and trying to impress whoever you're trying to impress, and trying to have whatever everyone says you're supposed to have, if that's the the cycle of your life, that is a, a, a sparingly sowing to the kingdom of God. And that's what you get. I talk to people all the time who say, oh, my faith is dull, it's boring, I don't get anything out of church. God just doesn't show himself to me. And and usually the questions that go through my mind when I have these encounters are, well, how much are you sowing into the kingdom of God? And I'm not just talking about finances. That's the least of it, in my opinion. I'm talking about your spirit, your heart, your very life. Because if your heart is into Jesus, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. Everything that matters will follow. But if you're holding things back from God, 
If your faith is more about what you want God to do to bless your life and to to just fit into your busy life, then, yeah, you're going to experience a very small catch, spiritually, so to speak. But rather, when Jesus calls, if you throw it all in, even though you're tired, even though you feel like you have no resources, if you're willing to just blindly just trust the Lord in obedience with faith, amazing things, amazing things will happen. See, if you want Jesus to be doing big things in your life, you have to trust Him in big ways. It's all connected. You know, I think about those moments in my own life before God has done, you know, relatively big things in my life or or awesome things in ministry, there was often an opportunity that I had to take to trust Him. There was often a choice I had to make to whether I was going to follow God into something or not. And sometimes I wonder, like, what would my life have been like if I made a different choice? What would my life have been like if when God called me into ministry to let go of my own dreams, to let go of my own goals, let go of the things that I was consumed with, if, if in that moment, I remember that moment, it was a very real moment for me, if in that moment I said, nope, sorry God, I'm doing my thing, I'll still go to church, but I'm, I'm going to pursue my own life. I, I, I think about what would I have missed? What I missed all this. I would have missed the things that God's done in my life that I give thanks for every day. But you know what? Let's be real. Sometimes I go, what have I missed? What have I missed because I haven't obeyed in certain situations, perhaps? What about you? You know, I don't want that to be my ultimate experience. I don't want to look back on my life and go, oh, if only I would have stepped out in faith. If only I would have, have, have sowed more, more plentifully. You know, if only I would have given more to the Lord. I don't want that to be my experience. You see, here's the thing. As these disciples, don't miss this, were struggling and failing. You want to know where Jesus was? He was making them breakfast. He was on the beach, starting a fire, getting it going. It says that when they came in, there, were, there was a fire with coals and there was bread and fish already there. So that didn't just happen. Jesus was there in the middle of their frustrating time, in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of their perceived failure. There was Jesus preparing a great breakfast for them. Think about that. What is God preparing for you right now that you don't have any idea about? Because you're stuck in your darkness. Understand this. There's a morning coming. There's a morning coming. We sing that praise song. Their joy comes in the morning, right? It's coming. But you've got to perceive that Jesus is there and you've got to be faithfully obedient to what he says. Otherwise, you could miss it. Now, sometimes, when we obey God, we step into these things, we get more than we bargained for. Amen. Sometimes, right? You ever get more than you bargained for with Jesus? You ever, you know, Pastor Mike calls you up and says, hey, would you be willing to be on this committee or do this thing? Next thing you know, like the next three years of your life, you're like, you're just, you're done, right? 
right? You ever, you ever get into a situation with someone where you're like, okay, I'm going to help this person a little bit, but it winds up going way more than that? Or God's calling me into, into this particular thing, but it blows up way more than that? I mean, that can happen, and sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the work that God puts before us, and we can say, holy cow, how can I ever do this? You ever feel like you're not good enough to be what God wants you to be? Or you're not skilled enough, or, or you don't have what you think God needs you to have? You ever feel like that? You know what that is? That's your net. That's your net. Your net is the amount of, of success that, that you will allow God to bring to your life. That's your net. And you know what's interesting about what happens to these disciples here? Is this, number three. God will allow his disciples to handle the work he sets before them. He, he does. Because you notice this net was jammed full, 153 fish. I don't know who sat down and counted that. But that's a lot of fish. And it says, even though the net was full, it didn't break. It didn't break. I think John puts that in there for a reason. Even though it was full, it didn't break. You want to know something? You have a net. And your net is the amount of ministry that you'll let God do in your life. And it will be filled oftentimes. But if you trust Jesus, if you allow him to guide you, he promises you that it's not going to break. He's going to hold it together. He says to Peter, bring that fish to me. Even though Jesus has got some fish there, and we know what Jesus can do with fish, right? We know what he can do with bread. We know he's not going to run out. We know there's never going to be a moment where Jesus is making breakfast for his disciples with fish and with bread, where he goes, oh man, what are we going to do? I mean, we've seen that. But he still says to his disciples, hey, bring some of the fish that you've caught. Let's enjoy them together. Let's, let's receive that together. Let's combine what you have with what I have, and let's have an amazing feast. You can handle it. See, oftentimes the work that God sets before us can seem impossible, can it? We can look at that and go, there's no way. I feel that way often when I look at, at the youth of our culture and I look at what they experience, and I look at the schools, and I look at, at how, how much transformation needs to occur to bring the gospel. And I know that we have godly teachers and, and students that are there that, are, that are, are being used by God, but you know, I look at that sometimes and I go, what, God, what could happen if a revival were to break out in these high schools and middle schools? What could happen? You know, could we contain that here? Answer, no. What would it look like? How could we deal with it? And it can seem impossible sometimes. But remember, on our own, it doesn't even exist. But with God's command leading us, we're guaranteed success, people. We can do whatever he calls us to do if he truly leads us and goes before us. But we have to allow him to take over. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had this, this 412 knockout event here on Wednesday night, and some of you were here, and it was a powerful night. You know, that event was planned by a group of high schoolers, and they got together and they mapped out that night what the events were going to be like, what elements of the service were going to take place, and it was scheduled to be done at 9 o'clock. 
So that everybody could go home. After uh, Kiboko's testimony and a brief time of prayer here with people that would come up to pray. And then some closing remarks and another testimony by a student. We were scheduled to be done by 9 o'clock. We were scheduled to to start the time of prayer, the brief time of prayer, at 8.40. And man, I'll tell you what, it was like clockwork. We stood up here, it was 8.40. And I knew we had about 10 minutes for this time of prayer. And we just opened it up and said, does anybody here, after our district superintendent, Kiboko, gave his testimony of what it means to follow Jesus... And we asked the question, is there anyone here tonight that wants to come and, 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 and pray a prayer to follow Jesus in their life? We had 10 minutes to handle that. Well, at about 10 minutes after 9 o'clock, I had to dismiss everybody who, who had already been prayer, prayed for or who needed to drive to go back to their homes. We had other churches that were here and other people because there were still rows of human beings waiting for prayer. And they weren't going to be stopped. And we certainly weren't going to stop them. So we, de- we decided, if you've got to go, go. But we are going to pray for every single person, young and old, because it wasn't just kids that came forward for prayer. Young and old, to pray to receive Christ. And it was one of the most powerful nights of ministry that, that I've ever had here. It was incredible. And I felt like our net just stretched a little bit more. But it didn't break. And afterwards, those students were just like, wow, you know, wow, can you believe that happened? That was amazing. I can't believe that, 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 that what took place. And I'm like, yep, exactly. Because when you step out in obedience, Jesus is there to serve you. He's there to, to bring you to success. Number four. When Jesus shows up to feed you, the time for doubt is over. You know, resurrection uh, appearance number two was about convincing them that he was real and convincing the doubter. But you know what it says here? That none of these men, when they realized what was going on, none of them dared say, who are you, Lord? They knew this was Jesus. The doubting is over and Jesus is going to leave his mission in this world in the hands of these men. He's preparing them. He is serving them. He's showing them that although there will be times when their work seems to bring no results, there is a time coming when he indeed will bring the catch. There will be times when these men would be hungry, but there also would be times when Jesus would feed them. You know, the last time Jesus served these guys bread like this, it was at the Last Supper. This is what I want to call the last breakfast. And in this meal, there is symbolism of Jesus providing for his new leaders. They had been through so much with him. They had seen it all, but now is the moment when Jesus would serve them and empower them. This didn't mean that it would be easy for them, but it did mean that they would be able to handle whatever he would set before them. I love the way that the Apostle Paul puts this in Philippians 4. He says this, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled I have, and, and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? He says that he's experienced all of these things 
as he's served Jesus, as he's obeyed his master, he's had times of great poverty and times of great prosperity. And he knows that whatever it means to to follow Jesus, he can do it because he has the Spirit's power. You see, with God, all things are possible. Jesus empowers us, but we must have faith. We must obey God. And God does not cause us to be used by him apart from our faithful obedience. So I ask you here today, I ask all of us, both as individuals and as Marian Methodist Church, what is the ministry that God is calling you to? What's the work? What's the, what's the command? And will you do it? Are you weary? Are you in darkness? Do you not believe that you can do what he's called you to do? Do you believe and have faith even when it seems dark, even when you're hungry, even when you've worked all night, so to speak, and have achieved nothing? See, this miraculous catch in John 21 shows us that if we believe, trust, and obey, that Jesus has a miraculous catch for us as well. So don't miss it. So what is the work? Is it a gift he wants you to give? Is it something that you've been holding on to? That you've thought, this is too important to me, this is too valuable to me, this is too integral to my life, but God has said, let that go for me? Is it a person that God wants you to reach? Maybe there's that someone in your life that, that you've just been in constant friction with, that you've talked to over and over again, and, and you've come to a point where you say, this is hopeless, I've given up on them. Is it that person that maybe God is ready to, to, to bring results in your life? Or is it a ministry that God wants you to start? Maybe there's something work, some work in ministry he's called you to, but you've rationalized why you don't have to do it. Well, I tried once and it didn't work. I'm too busy with this. I'm too busy with that. I'm not good enough. I don't have the skill. I don't have this. I don't have that. There's a million ways that we can talk ourselves into staying in the darkness, isn't there? There's a million ways we can do that. We're experts at that. But what if Jesus is standing on the other side of that darkness with a miraculous catch ready for you and he only needs you to obey? Don't miss it. Don't miss it in your own life and in the life of your church. Don't miss it. Because there is a catch out there. I believe that with all my heart. There is a great work for this body of believers here today. And it's experienced in everyone's hearts. It could be experienced in your family. It could be experienced in your ministry. And ultimately in our, in our city. But we've got to be willing to recognize Jesus throw our nets over one more time and haul back what we've caught because of his awesome power. If you do that today, I want you to join me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, my life has often consisted of moments of darkness where I don't know what I'm supposed to do, where the future seems uncertain, and where I feel like my efforts have yielded no results. And there are times, Lord, where I feel like I'm just not good enough to do anything great for you. God, I, I 
repent of that attitude right now. I'm asking, Lord, for you to give me the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to not grow weary and to not grow weak, but to trust in the darkness so that I can see you in the light. God, for our church, we pray that we would be as a church casting a wide net into our community that we might bring those fish that are caught to you. Lord, you said truly we would be fishers of men. Lord, may that be our ministry. May we obey you and serve you. That we might experience what it's like for you to serve us and empower us so that we can continue the work of the ministry you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.